Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist and a sports nutritionist, and I'm a bodybuilder. Hey, Rob Fortes Fortney, former editor at Muscle Man International, former competitive bodybuilder, and now powerlifter. This is Phil Stevens. I'm the founder of LiftForHope.org and the owner of Strength Guild, um, and I'm a powerlifter and Highland Games athlete. Yes, you are. <laughs> and today we have John Meadows with us. Uh, we're going to get to John in just a moment, and I appreciate his patience. We just want to share a little bit of news first. Rob, did you want to go first? Strength and Muscle Sport News. Uh, yeah, sure, that's no problem. Uh, I, I just wanted to let people know in case there's people out there who are interested in strongman competition that um, Brian Shaw is the new uh, new winner of the World's Strongest Man competition that happened last week. Um, if if some of our listeners are not aware of Brian Shaw, go to YouTube and uh, type him in and check that guy out. He's gigantic. He's like six foot eight and like four twenty or something like that. Wow. So yeah, he's a large man. But uh, yeah, large so congr- Yes. So congratulations to Brian Shaw. I believe that's yeah, his probably his first title. So yeah, yeah. So that's uh, pretty exciting. Is he a uh, is he a real young guy or a more middle aged yeah, guy? Yeah, I don't think he's particularly old. I think I mean I'm guessing I guess late twenties, thirty ish. Phil, do you know? I'll tell you here in a minute. Oh, jeez, uh, he's on it. Yeah, he's not messing around. <sighs> so he's huge, huh? Four hundred and twenty pounds, my guy. Yeah, he's he's gonna have his own zip code here before long. <laughs> um, yeah, check, for, go over to uh, uh, YouTube people and type his name in and check out the video of him looking, getting into like a Mazda Miata or something. It's uh, his friends are filming it because it's kind of funny actually. When he actually's in the car, his knees are twenty nine. Twenty nine. There you go. So, okay. gradual, congratulations to Brian Shaw. Awesome. That competition, well, um, that, that competition gets more and more fierce every year. So, um, yeah, that's that's no whistling Dixie. Yeah, it's you know, I've been out of the loop, but oh, go ahead. Six eight and a half, four sixty. Nice. Yeah, he's yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, he got um, he qualified in two thousand eight for the first time. Third in two thousand nine. Second in two thousand ten. First in two thousand eleven. Mm. So he's been working his way up since two thousand eight. Yeah, well, step at a time. So Amen. I was just going to say, being out of that for a while, is that uh, is that still continuing to be heavily televised and that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, and it was held here this year, uh, down south in America. I do believe it was where it was. Um, 2011 was held, uh, God, I think it was down south in, um, geez, well, well, uh, Georgia, I think. But, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Cool. Uh, okay. Um, this is sort of related news, I guess. There's a, a strength coaches conference uh, coming up. I just want to make people aware of it. Uh, let's see, San Antonio, it's coming January 6th and 7th, so that'll give you time to think about this. Um, there's going to be some um, people there. They even stooped to include me. So there's going to be a couple of good presentations there on nutrition and, and obviously strength coaching kinds of stuff. So that's San Antonio. It's the NSCA uh, Coaches Conference. Are you doing a guest posing? There will be no guest posing. Oh, oh, damn. I'm not coming. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm leaving the the almond oil at home. Yeah, not gonna grease up. Oh well, oh well. That's the, that's a tie in sport coat kind of thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, what? Let's see. What else here? Oh, uh, just uh, FYI, if anybody's interested, we don't usually do this because we're usually not this organized. But we've got an, uh, one of the guests coming up at the end of October is Paul Klinger, and uh, if you haven't heard of him, he he's um, the director at Informed Choice which is a basically a dietary supplement watchdog kind of organization. So uh, anyway, we booked him already, and I just wanted people to know about that. So if you're interested in dietary supplements, you know, what's in them, how they get tested, what are the role of some of these watchdog groups, and, you know, who's watching the watchdogs, which I think is sort of an ongoing topic. Because I remember back in the days of EAS, there was some uh, 
watchdog kinds of groups that were sort of in bed, I think, with EAS, if I remember right. Um, so, you know, it always makes me wonder who's watching the watchdogs. But so Paul Klinger, end of October, probably the last week of October. So that should be fun. Uh, and then one just bit of science news here, uh, relevant to our topic, because uh, we'll get to uh, John in just a moment, and we're going to talk about dieting a little bit today. So this is the first time I've ever seen anything on yo-yo dieting potentially being beneficial. And I kid you not, right? Usually uh, health educators don't like the idea of going up and down in body weight, but sometimes I've wondered how yo-yo dieting r- relates to bodybuilding, right? Because people diet. Uh, and then after a show, they blow back up, then they rip down to 4% fat again, then they blow back up. So in a way, it, it seems similar to yo-yo dieting. Um, it's usually more successful uh, than the typical yo-yo dieter. But anyway, here it is. This is from Science Daily. This is from uh, this summer, actually. Yo-yo dieting versus obesity. Dieters may actually be healthier and live longer, a mouse study suggests. Yo-yo dieters may be healthier and live longer than those who are obese or stay obese according to a new Ohio University study. OU's a, a prestigious school. Uh, mice that switch between a high-fat and a low-fat diet every four weeks during their approximate two-year lifespan lived about 25% longer and had better blood glucose levels than obese animals uh, that ate a high-fat diet all the time. The yo-yo dieters also lived about as long as control group of mice steadily fed the low-fat diet. So I, I think that's very interesting. It's actually suggesting that you know, it, it's better to yo-yo diet than do nothing at all. And if you think about it, that's not that unreasonable, yeah. right? Um, rather than just stay fat. But there's actually been arguments in the past that maybe it's better to just maintain your body weight instead of going through this uh, up and down. It says, some experts argue that constantly shedding and regaining pounds can be harmful to health. I've actually seen some data that that could actually trigger new fat cell formation and things like that. Um, anyway... The new research presented at the uh, an endocrine society meeting in Boston suggests, however, that yo-yo dieting is preferable to remaining obese and not dieting at all. So it just sort of goes against conventional uh, wisdom there. Uh, anyway, I thought that was interesting that maybe you know dieting like that could actually be a good thing, and um, and again, I think it, it does relate to bodybuilding in a way. If you compete every year, for example, this isn't back and forth. I know there are guys like Mike Nelson out there who like to either be gaining or losing weight all the time. Um, and I can see how that sort of mimics natural rhythms. Uh, but even if you're just doing this once a year or something, they actually suggest it's, it's better to, you know, diet some than not to bother. So kind of neat stuff. Ohio University. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so we've got our guest today, John Meadows. Uh, John, if you can just, I'd like you to introduce yourself to everyone. We'll give you a chance to do that. And then just talk about your origins, if you will, in the sport. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's a privilege. I appreciate it. Um, I, I'm a pretty busy guy these days. I work at a bank, actually, during the day. Um, I'm a VP in project management, and uh, I have a business that you might have heard of, uh, Mountain Dog. Training, which is my training business, and uh, Mountain Dog Diet, uh, which is my nutrition business. You know, I keep <coughs> real busy, real busy doing that. Have, usually, I try to keep around eighty to hundred clients, and um, also have uh, a couple uh, little boys. I have twin two and a half year olds that keep me rocking, and uh, they kind of wear me out, but they're awesome little guys. And uh, you know, I write for Muscle and Fitness and uh, T Nation as well, so. Um, uh, that's kind of what I do now, and I still compete. I actually actually just competed Saturday, and uh, just oh, wow. once a year. That's pretty much all I can handle, mm-hmm. <laughs> once a year. Well, you've got um, a job and a family, right? So, uh, Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, I, I don't know the last time I got more than uh, five or six hours of sleep, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, I hear you. In fact, but, you know what? I never did get a chance to respond to you um, just through uh, T Nation channels, but you made a comment once when I when I competed, and you know I'm not I'm not this huge high level competitor, but I think you said something about you know way to go because you're actually you know you're holding down a, a job and you got a family and all this other stuff, and I think that's one of the things a lot of listeners need to appreciate too is you know it sounds like you're in the same boat right we have families we have jobs we're not just sort of floating and doing nothing but bodybuilding. You know, so it just yeah. adds a whole other dimension to it. 
It does, and I get really irritated when people tell me, well, I can't be a real good bodybuilder if I, you know, if I'm working a job during the day. You know, that's, that's bullshit. Yes, you can. You're just lazy. And, um, you know, so, so I have absolute respect for people who can, you know, combine, uh, endeavors, you know, and, you know, and, and work a real job and raise a family and do things like you do. So, yeah, I absolutely what, meant that. What, uh, competition did you do, and how did you do? I did the uh, Mr. North America uh, three weeks. Well, um, it was uh, three, or three or four weeks ago, and mm-hmm. um, I was in the second call out in the heavyweight class. I ended up in ninth, and then I came back uh, this past Saturday and I did the Mr. Ohio. It's a real prestigious state title around here, and I had previously won my class twice and lost the overall. And uh, Saturday actually won my class the heavies and won the overall, so it was, it was pretty, awesome. pretty cool. Yeah, awesome. awesome. Yeah, that's great, man. So let's talk yeah, about so, a little bit. I, yeah, I'm just curious about your beginnings then. I mean, what takes you, because that's a very high level of competition. What what gets you into such, you know, rigor? Well, <laughs> you know, if you read about, it's kind of funny, that you know, if you read about Roman uh or, or you know, if you read about these Roman kids, these these warriors, you know they they kind of they they have this belief that whoever's the toughest can win a war, right? So they they beat themselves up, and they they have a little bit of uh, you know they 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 like to torture themselves. I got a little bit of that in me too. Uh, you know, I I started competing actually when I was 13 years old. I mean, I, I did a show when I was in junior high school. So wow, if you can if you can picture. A 13-year-old kid, you know, all the other 13-year-old kids are looking at the, oh, man, she's got boobs now. You know, they're pretty excited about all the other girls. And all I was thinking about was I need to get stronger. I'm only 115 pounds. And um, so I've always kind of had a, a little bit of an um, obsession with that. But I think it's a healthy obsession because I try to live a pretty balanced life. Um, but, yeah, I actually started competing when I was 13, and, you know, just like probably many other people, picked up magazines and said, that is cool, I like the way that looks, and then everybody said, that looks gross. I said, well, that's cool, I'm going to look gross then, you know. Um, so, you know, I was in sports in high school, football, track, I was actually a sprinter in track, um, very mediocre one, but um, did pretty well in football and uh, got out of that, and, and then I went to college, uh, went for uh, pre-medicine, and got lazy and ended up not going to medical school, so I got kind of a more generic degree and, um, you know, continued to compete uh, when I was 20 years old, actually. The, uh, I was in a couple of shows in the open men's class and won the overall in both shows, and I had just turned 20, so, you know, I was kind of the young lion of the sport around here back then, and um, bodybuilding is tough, though. Nobody hands you anything, and, you know, I competed nationally. I was top five in the USA, top five in the North American, um, top five in 99 at the USA, and top five in 2004 at the North American. And, you know, I've, I've been working at a bank um, for quite a while now. I was at uh, one bank for about 10 years, and so now I'm at another bank. And I've always been busy. I was in grad school. And um, <clears throat> probably the, the interesting thing that happened to me was I um, in 2005, I got real sick. I had a uh, I had a vascular disease in my large intestine. Uh, let me think about it. It's idiopathic myelinthemal hyperplasia of the mesenteric pain, if I remember correctly. I've said that a lot. Um, very rare. I think the Mayo Clinic had eight or nine cases on file, but you know, basically, I got uh, it, you know, it, it kind of it kind of presented itself as a, as ischemic colitis, but. I knew it wasn't colitis because I didn't have all the typical symptoms, the guys that have colitis. You know, we've had some guys like that around here. I know you guys remember Mike Francois, you know, he was a beast. You know, there's been a lot of guys in bodybuilding that had colitis. And um, I knew it wasn't that. I knew it was something else. Um, But long story short, I don't want to bore you, I ended up in the hospital in the emergency room and um, in emergency surgery, bleeding to death, minutes from death, and that's, that's... no exaggeration. Uh, and, you know, so they removed my entire large intestine and, you know, I had a, you know, some, met- so I, in 2005, it was a pretty rough year and I thought to myself, boy, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to come back from this uh, at a high level. 
Yeah. And I've kind of worked myself back. I still don't have fully functioning abs. I can't do deadlifts. There's a lot of things I can't do. But um, I've busted my ass and kind of, um, you know, brought myself back over the last couple of years. And, and actually this year was the first year I could say, wow, I'm actually better than I used to be, you know, back in the, uh, we'll call it the old days. So. Yeah. How old are you now, John? Around. I'm, How old I'm are... actually 39 now. So. Cool. Yeah, no, so I think been, I think we like that. There's, yeah, there's a real there's a real um, benefit I think, and and we, we give a bit of attention to some of the older guys, you know, because it's it's fun to I- interview you. Not that you're older, uh, you're similar in age to to the rest of us here, but uh, you know, because then you have that kind of perspective, or like you said, even fighting back from that kind of illness. Now, I'm curious. I don't want to pry, but uh, cosmetically. Um, your abs are okay, no no scarring problems. I mean, you're still competing at a very high level. Well, initially they looked horrible. Okay, so I, I had um, I had a nealiostomy temporarily. Then they went back and fixed it. And when they fixed it, I had a blockage, so they had to open me up again. And then I got an infection, and all of those surgeries they cut right down the middle of my stomach. So my linea alba uh, in my, I mean, they basically disintegrated. Mm-hmm. So you know how pregnant women get this rectus diastasis recti, I think it's what, where your abs split apart. That mm-hmm. started happening to me. And if you dig up old competition pictures of me in two, 2000 and I want to say seven, you can see where it looks horrible. And I had to get a couple of surgeries. And basically now this surgeon did a phenomenal job. Basically he just sewed my abs together and put a giant mesh underneath them. So, you know, they, they look very similar to what they used to look. I do still have a scar, but he cleaned it up really, really well. I mean, That's awesome. Yeah, he, he, you know, he was really good. Dr. Scrano turned me on to him. He was really good. He said, he, you know, it's very rare for him to do that. But So my hands were literally sewn together. And this past year has been the first year I could really do any training on them at all because they just wouldn't function. Now they kind of function. So, hmm. Wow. So, oh, you said Eric Serrano turned you on to him, huh? To that physician. Yeah, yeah. Eric's is a real good friend of mine. We've we've been pretty tight since the nineties, and you know he he watches. You know he's got a close eye on me and make sure I'm you know staying healthy. And he's taught me taught, taught me a lot of what I know. He's been he's I consider him a mentor. He's been wow. a great friend and a great coach. And, yeah, he's uh, a nice guy. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah, you know, one of the things I noticed you, you talk about, I used to kind of critique the linea alba, even like uh, naturally on some guys, like Lee Haney was like that, where he had a very broad separation between, you know, his rectus abdominis muscles there. And I always, you know, thought that looked kind of odd, you know, because, I mean, he was, that's just how he was built, you know what I mean? Right. Um, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so... When you, you basically, you're just describing that you picked up muscle magazines and that's kind of how you got started, do you think? Or, uh, yeah, what was the draw? yeah, you know, I'm not sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, what was the draw to it all? What was, what was the calling for you? Man, I, I don't have a good answer, Lonnie. That's funny. I just saw these magazines and I said, um, man, I think that looks really cool. I want to, I want to have veins all over my legs like that. And, and I was, <laughs> You know, I was already, uh, when I was probably 11 or 12, I would do push-ups to, to failure before I went to bed every night, and I would do a set of sit-ups before I went to bed every night, and I just kind of thought it was cool, and my, uh, my grandmother raised me, and if she heard me, in, you know, in there, she'd, you know, she knew I was doing something, she'd say, get back to bed, she knew I was doing push-ups, but so I kind of, like, tried to sneak them in at night, right? Yeah. So, you know, I... I so even then, I just loved it, and um, you know when we would uh, in sports, I loved. I, I remember going out on the football team and running the mile with the team and winning the mile, and then going in, going in uh, in the weight room and squatting. You know, I was squatting four or five hundred pounds in high school, um, and I mean, I was just, I just loved. I mean, I wasn't real. I don't think I was real gifted. Uh, genetically in terms of like uh, speed or explosiveness or anything like that. So I literally just tried to outwork everybody. And that's kind of what I do now. I'm not really gifted at all as a, a bodybuilder either. I've got narrow clavicles. I've got a wide pelvic girdle. 
you know, you're not going to look at me and think, wow, he looks like Frank Zane. You're not going to, that's not going to be the first thing that comes to your mind. So, I mean, it's kind of the same mindset, just trying to outwork everybody. Right. You know, I think it's interesting as we interview people, so many of the guys in bodybuilding, they get sort of that Tom Platt's descriptive, uh, you know, calling to the sport. He was saying like a priest gets just called to his, you know, profession. And I see a lot of that with bodybuilders. And I don't know if powerlifting is the same way or not. Uh, like I know, Rob, you, you did bodybuilding first, you know. Um, right. But sometimes I wonder if powerlifters, you know, do they get drawn with that calling like a priest? Or are powerlifters usually coming from football or something else, you know? Yeah, I, well, I think all these things are so intertwined, you know. I mean, um, I think I think certainly 20, 30 years ago, powerlifters probably came from more of a physical culture kind of thing or a weightlifting background. Um, yeah. But, I mean, today, you know, as with strongmen, you know, people kind of just like, like strongmen 20 years ago, nobody really got into strongmen specifically, right? They kind of fell into it from, you know, they're either football players or powerlifters or, and now guys train right from the get-go, you know, in strongman stuff, so. Right. You know, it's, now, it's, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say. So, John. So, you've just been pure bodybuilding the whole time. Never did any power or other strength sports. Well, actually, I. Um, and by the way, real quick, you mentioned Tom Platts. That is like literally the only guy in bodybuilding I ever looked up to. I love the guy. I love his philosophies. I love his work ethic. And I actually, some of the stuff that I do training wise, I learned from him. Um, Tom was awesome. He'll. I mean, he'll always be the guy that I really, really liked in bodybuilding. He's a big um, favorite with us, too, man. Yep. And, uh, I, I mean, I'd like it's my dream to someday just talk to have a conversation with the guy. I, I just really, really liked him. I liked, I liked his passion. It was, it just, he exuded passion. Right? So, um, power thing, so I lifted over at uh, Westside, over at Louis in the mid-90s, and um, really, really enjoyed it. I did one meet, and um, I was a pretty crappy bencher, probably in the mid-fours. Um, I was a really good squatter, and I had a loose squat suit, and I did around 800. I think I did 785 in the meet I did, and probably could have done closer to 850 or something like that. That's big numbers. You know, make, this is, uh, let's see, this was when I was about 23, I was over there, 23, 24 years old, and mid-600 deadlifter. Um, I really, really liked it over there. I met a lot of awesome guys. That's where I met Dave Cage. I thought we were this guys, and um, you know, so I, and Mike Francois was over there back then, so I really, really enjoyed that. And Louie taught me a lot. He taught me a lot. He was a, you know, I have the utmost respect for that guy. He's a, he's a brilliant mind. So, was over there for a while, and I, you know, I still do um, a lot of this. And actually, if you look at a lot of the training I do, I have phases built in where I use chains and bands, and people are like, "Well, oh, that's not bodybuilding; that's strength training." But no, it's not. You can use this bodybuilding. Believe me. Um, you know, you just use it a little differently, but there's some great, Louie understood things that worked well for bodybuilders as well as powerlifting. He just didn't really focus on those things because that wasn't, you know, what he did. Um, yeah. but he had the knowledge. And he, you know, I took a lot of the things that I learned from him and kind of adapted them to, you know, to, to myself and, and they worked really, really well. So, you know, I, I credit Louie with also being somebody in my background who's just taught me a lot. Right. Yeah. You. I'll tell you. I've. I've never been built heavily like. Uh. You know. Rob is or Phil. But. Uh, I've always been drawn to that sort of power bodybuilding myself. It's just. Uh. It just makes a lot of sense. You know. These sports are brother sports, and obviously there's got to be some kind of crossover where we can learn from the power lifters. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. You know. The. You know. The. As long as you. Um. You know, it's funny, but as long as you can know when to kind of back off of one and go kind of migrate to the other, uh, you know, more of a bodybuilding style versus a traditional powerlifting style, I think, you, you know, you can do really, really well. I think that's probably one of the better ways to squeeze every ounce of genetic potential out of you that you can, actually. Yeah, we, we've said several times on this, uh, on this show uh, that you can see, if you look in a lineup of people, you can see the guys who have spent some time doing power type movements, you know, in their back, their traps, their glutes, the, you know, the whole posterior chain, their hamstrings, you, you know, their adductors, you know, the, the, the thickness in their legs and their back. Uh, you could really see a trained eye can really see the guys who have been up there who are lifting heavy versus sort of the balloon animal, you know, pump monger type guys. 
Yeah, you're absolutely. There's a look of muscle density. There's a look where you just, man, that guy's done some grinding. I mean, you, yeah. you're right. You can absolutely just see a, a level of muscle density that um, it, it just looks different. You know, as we're talking about this, if listeners, if you haven't checked out the, um, we have a YouTube page. It's it's there's not a ton there. It's not super active, but one of the things that I do is I put some of my favorite videos. And Rob turned me on to a video. You're, uh, John, you're talking about density. We're talking about power bodybuilding. There is the most phenomenal video of Dorian Yates I have ever seen, and right. we posted the video on the Iron Radio YouTube page, but. My God, the density that that guy has is, I, I still don't think it's been touched. I mean, I still, even in today's lineup of guys, I don't see anybody looking like that. He is granite, and he's gigantic. Yeah. Uh, I think it was like a was a, a German Grand Prix or something. But it was, it was something like that, yeah. Just phenomenal. Anyway, well, uh, John, before we go to the break today, I just wanted to ask you about your current projects. So it looks like you've come, overcome a lot of adversity, and you know you're a, a, a veteran type of guy. So we can learn a lot from you in the second half. But what are you doing uh, now? Any specific projects you want to just bring up? Well, you know my website is www.mountaindogdiet.com, and um, I have uh, an optional in there where you know folks folks can pay a nominal fee, eight nine bucks a month or something like that, and we put up articles. I put up put up a workout of the month. I put up nutrition articles. I put a lot of stuff out every month um, from my website. Um, I also, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I do a lot of. I have a very structured training program. I have. I probably got about eight or nine programs built right now, and I'm constantly thinking and building more of them. So, um, you know, my my side. I call it my side business, but it's my love business. It's what I really love to do. So I do a lot of nutrition and training. I do it all on my website. And, um, you know, the other thing is I write for Nation, as you know, so um, I really enjoy that and uh, muscle fitness. So, you know, just keep your eyes open and, you know, if you guys see any articles out there and you, you want to ask questions, I'd love good questions, um, you know, bring them on. So. Cool. Um, that's you know that's pretty what I'm pretty much what I'm doing now in my training business. Competitively, I, I, I take this thing one you know one day at a time. I have no idea what I'll do next year. You know, I just want to kind of relax. You know, so I competed Friday. You know, Dave Tate had a seminar Friday, um, and I was a speaker Friday, the last guy to go. And then Saturday, I competed in the show, and then Sunday morning we were back at Dave's training. And uh, so I'm right now. I'm just looking for. Uh, a day when I can just kind of kick back and think, but I haven't really had a whole lot of time to think here lately. So <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, listeners, we're going to go ahead and take a break, uh, and after a few short messages, we'll come back with our topic of the day with John, and he's got a lot of experience in this, which is um, preventing lean mass loss while dieting or how to best diet. So we'll be back in just a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on iRadio. Thanks. <laughs> your weekly fix of iron radio in addition to being a popular institute on itunes we are also on email simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email you'll get a once per week email no more that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio so go for it
Okay, we're back. Uh, John uh, Meadows is our guest today, and Rob and Phil and uh, I, Lonnie, we're all here talking with him. And the topic is going to be um, lean mass retention while dieting. Uh, so we actually had a study earlier in the episode about how, at least in animal models, it looks like yo-yo dieting may actually be better than not dieting at all. And so some of the critiques that bodybuilders will get about, oh, you know, you're you cut down so low in body fat and then you actually put it back on. You know, I, I've actually had junior faculty people approach me and say, well, you know, I don't understand. You know, you you bulk up in the off season and then you you know you get all the way down to four percent fat, but then you just put it back on, and you know they just don't seem to understand some of the uh you know the ways that bodybuilders go about this stuff so john the first question for you is you know what's your what's your approach to dieting i mean if, if we have somebody listening and they're interested in in uh, getting ready for a bodybuilding competition where do they start or where would you start them well i think i think uh the first question you have to ask you know you're, you have to figure out the answer to is you know, how far out does a person look? You know, is this a person with a fast metabolism that'll, that could be ready in, say, 10 weeks? Or is it somebody that has got a lot of fat they got to chew through? And it might take them 20 weeks, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, my approach is to take a little bit longer, and there are reasons for that. A lot of people think just the opposite, you know, go, go with a, a shorter duration type of diet so that you don't eat muscle. But I actually like to do a little bit longer diets, but with the caveat that, you know, we have, and we'll, you know, we'll get into this later, you know, periodic spiking of, you know, carbs and calories and good things like that so that you do keep your muscle. Um, I like to, you know, I like to, when I coach competitors, I like for them to be ready a couple weeks out. Mm-hmm. And so you can, you know, you, you're not in this mad cardio-induced rage, fury, trying to get the last few pounds off the last couple weeks. Um, you know, I'd rather somebody be able to back off their cardio, pick up their calories, and be nice and full and tight, you know, come showtime. So first thing, you know, you just got to kind of figure out where the person's at. You know, is this person going to take 10 weeks? Or are they going to take 20 weeks? Or is it going to take a year? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's kind of the first step, I think, in, in, in the evaluation process. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I agree with you about slightly longer for uh, preserving muscle mass, but it, it kind of depends on the person, I guess, too, yeah. Um, yeah. So well, he's well, yeah, but he's he's saying that he thinks a shorter period of time is more beneficial. Oh, John, your opinion was longer or shorter diet? What do you lean to? No, well, I generally I generally like longer diets, but it depends on the person. If you, oh, okay. If I'm you sorry. can if you can get away with a shorter diet, you know that's great. People who are really gifted. Um, have a great metabolism, you know, the people like Dexter Jackson that can diet for four weeks, you know, that's great. But just, you know, when you just look at the general population, most people that compete, they need a little bit longer to diet. Okay, and, right. Yeah. Well, I, th- know, that's a good yeah. segue because what I wanted to ask you then is, I mean, you talk about four weeks. That's not realistic for, for most guys, right? I mean, so right, right. how would you approach um, – Let's say a, a natural competitor versus someone like a Dexter Jackson or someone who's, you know, quote unquote enhanced. I mean, would it be the slightly more gentle, longer diet then for the, the natural guy who maybe only weighs 190 pounds or? Absolutely. Absolutely. And with, and with the most, and with most people, um, natural or not, you've got to be real careful with, you know, burning up muscle. You know, you've got this, bad cascade of events that's going to happen if you start to chew up muscle with your metabolism and but yeah i mean if you start the results will always be i think a little better if you start a little bit further out than what you normally might and you know you're going to figure out things along the way as you go to you know I, i can tell you one of the hardest things for me to learn was um just based on the things that we've talked about today so far, you know, you probably get a, a, a good indication that I'm a little crazy and like to push myself really hard. The hardest thing for me to do was to learn to back off a little bit and crank up my calories once in a while and do those kinds of things. And you can do those kinds of things when you have a little bit longer diet. You can, you know, you can kind of, I don't want to say experiment, but, but you really kind of are experimenting and learning as you go. No, I I actually agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, and so you know, when you have time to do that, I had I can tell you that I had 
for the last contest I did, the Mr. North America, and I, and I think if you look at comments on message boards, they'll tell you that I was the leanest guy in the whole show. Um, I had a huge cheat meal every Saturday night all the way up until the show. Uh, you know, five guys, burgers and fries, and then um, then ice cream afterwards all the way up until the show. And for me, it was really hard to do that because, you know, I think, well, I'm cheating. I'm not pushing myself. But it wasn't cheating. It was I knew that my metabolism was going so fast it would provide benefit, right? So, it you know, it kept working and kept working and kept working. So it's like, you know, that you know, learning those kind of lessons along the way um, are so beneficial. And those, like I said, those periodic bumps in calories and, uh, you know, macronutrients, you know, more carbs here and there, more fat here and there, those are extremely valuable throughout that whole process, you know, that you do those things. Right. Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, one of the things, I, I, one of the questions that I always wrestle with, and I, it's just one of those coaching art kinds of things, is be, just because something happens to you or to me doesn't mean it's going to happen necessarily with a client, you know, but, yeah. but then there are certain things that are going to be human truths too, you know, and I think one of those is in fact scheduling some kind of quote unquote cheat meal or a carb cycling or something like that because I think there's several things behind that. One is you try to keep your thyroid levels up. You know, you don't want to start slowing down your conversion to T3 and or like you said, losing muscle mass, keep your muscle glycogen up. But even if you look purely at an energy balance point of view, you are not going to do a week's worth of damage in a day, right? Or in a meal. So even right. though you're having the carbs, you're having the fat, like you were saying, take it in, psychologically reset yourself, hormonally. But even from a calories in, calories out perspective, you know, that just, that kind of up and down, you're going to be in a very negative energy balance over the course of that week, nonetheless, because you yep. are keeping the carbs out of the picture most of the time, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You know, my, my, process might be for, you know, someone to keep their carbs a little bit lower during the week. And, you know, it's okay to get a little bit depleted and be a little flat for a little while. But when you start staying in that state for a while, it's bad news. You know, yeah. you're going to start chewing up muscle and you're going to get into a place where it's hard to dig out of. And Yeah, uh, I think it's it's a good point. To, I mean, I've even seen guys come down from about 280, uh, big guys who are not necessarily natural guys, and if if they would cut their carbs out, I watched one of them, actually two of them in particular, cut almost all carbs and try to do uh, like a 12-week diet. And, you know, they weren't super lean to begin with. You know, they were big dudes. But And I watched them drop so much muscle mass. I mean, they were almost losing one-for-one, one, you know, muscle and fat because their muscle, they had no glycogen in their muscles. They were carb depleted. They were thyroid depressed because they did not do that sort of uh, – you know, a weekly cheat meal or bump in calories. And it's amazing to me that, you know, it's almost like their discipline just ruined them, you know, because they just yeah, slowed right. down and, like you said, wicked downward spiral there. So. Yeah, and once you get to deep, and once you get deep into that, it's hard to get out of it. I mean, it's hard for your muscles to just come back to life, right? That fullness and, um, it's, it's hard. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, okay. So you shared a little bit about how you would start, you know, sort of as a coach eyeballing the, the competitor and, you know, where he or she is at and sort of, I don't know, maybe doing a reverse countdown or however that is, how many weeks, but, uh, maybe just share a little bit about your thoughts about progressions. Like, do you keep the lifting heavy throughout the diet as heavy as you can? Or what are your thoughts on cardio and all those sorts of things? Okay, well, uh, okay, so let me start with cardio. Um, I'm a big believer in fasted, low-intensity cardio. It's boring as shit. Yeah. Um, I, I readily admit that. It's not fun. But when I see people get on step mills and crank as hard as they can with no food in them, I see what I see is their legs shrink up. They lose their quad sweep. They lose their teardrop. Mm-hmm. Their adductors disappear. Um, that's what I see. I see that repeatedly with people. Um, well, who eat a lot and then do a lot of cardio. Well, kind of what was, you know, what was really the point there? Um, you didn't really tap into any fat. So, um, now in terms of how often you do it, that varies so much from person to person. I did personally, uh, 30 total sessions, uh, at eight weeks out. I did, I did Monday through Friday, 40 minutes a day. So five days a week. 
I did, I started at eight weeks out and I pulled my cardio at uh, two weeks out from the North American. I did none the last two weeks and then the three weeks coming up for the Ohio that I just did, I didn't do any either. So I actually didn't do any five weeks. That's going to vary from person to person, but my, my general rule is I, I prefer fasted cardio in the morning on an empty stomach. And I actually just go around and walk outside. It's good to get fresh air and so forth. You know, people have different ways of doing it. And that's kind of what I like to do. But, um, yeah. you know, some people I've had do a little bit more cardio, but it's, it's really rare that I have somebody go out and, in fact, I can't think of anybody that I've had go out and jog or, you know, sprints. I, you know, I use sparingly here and there. Um, but I think there's a misconception that when people sprint, they all of a sudden lose, women in particular, that they lose the stubborn fat around their, you know, around their, their, their hips and their glutes and it have nothing to do with sprinting and everything to do with hormones in most cases. So mm. I think people go down that road a lot. Um, so cardio and, and what was the other thing you asked me about cardio and what else? Oh yeah. Like what do you do with the weights? Do you keep them heavy? Oh, strength, strength, strength. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, okay. Now I'm a firm believer in keeping uh, weights heavy uh, all the way up until real close to the end. Um, you know, I'll try to train all the way up until the week before the show heavy, and then the week of the show I'll back it down a little bit. But I think people just lighten up entirely too much. What I am a big believer in is structuring your exercises to keep them one piece, though. So when I say go in and train heavy, um, it's it's not, okay, we're going when we're doing chest, hey, let's go in and let's bench heavy. That's not what I mean. I, I, I see, you know, exercises that are kind of harder on your body, I don't typically do them first. You know, people that know my routines will tell you that most of the time I do leg curls before I do any leg presses or squats and some variation of a leg curl or possibly even a, a stiff leg deadlift. Um, mm, dumbbell machine work before I ever do barbell work. Um, and you'll, you can still go heavy without, you know, you'll just feel it in your muscles. You won't be training just your tendons and ligaments. And I've had more people tell me, oh, my God, I can't, you know, I can't believe how healthy my joints feel now, but I'm pushing as hard as I've ever pushed. It's just the sequence of the exercises, and I can't believe how many people get that wrong these days and how many people tear stuff right and left, and you don't need to. You can you can train hard and heavy. You don't have to do squats first. You don't have to do bench presses first. You, you don't have to. Um, so that's a big part of what I do, too. It's, you know, I try to make uh, a, a well-thought-out, logical plan that will keep somebody in one piece, but they're still going to be training heavy. You start lighting up and going too light all the time, um, you know. I, I think you know you're. It's generally you you'll just look smaller if you do so, that okay. too much. So that's interesting. So you'll have people do isolation movements or sort of what some people might consider accessory type stuff first, but they're still going to do it heavy, right? Yeah, like for well, let me give you an example. Like for like for legs, um, you know, I'll start somebody. Let's say a lying leg curl. And the stuff I do is very high intensity. So, you know, they might do, you know, three sets of, let's say, three sets of ten. Okay, then I'm going to have them do a drop set. They're going to do ten, drop the weight and do ten, drop the weight and do ten. Then they're going to do 35 partials out of the bottom. So their hamstrings will be absolutely on fire, and they won't be able to pick up their heels when they go off the machine. Then when they go squat, it has a totally different feel to it. Um, a couple warm-up sets, and it just feels totally different. Their hips feel better. They're, they got blood in their hamstrings. You know, they don't feel as much in their knees. Um, I wouldn't, I, I hesitate to call it pre-exhaustion, um, but I guess it is kind of a pre-exhaust, but I'm thinking more of joint health when I do it. Um, you know, chest, for instance, I love barbell inclines. I think they're great for your, I think they're great for your shoulders too, actually. I think, you know, I've noticed that when I personally drop barbell inclines out of my chest workout, my shoulders look smaller. Um, but, you know, I'll do dumbbells first, you know, and we'll work them go heavy. You know, for me, I'll go with a heavy weight, work up to like six reps. Now, if I went and I tried to bench and go up to something I could do for six reps, I'd probably hurt myself. In fact, I know I would hurt myself. Mm-hmm. So it gives you the, you know, so then if you do bench at second, once you've got a lot of blood in there and you're warmed up, you might not be able to do as much as you normally would, but guess what? You're going to feel it in your pecs. You're not going to tear your shoulders up. You're not going to tear your elbows up. You'll feel where you should, and your muscle think this working hard anyway. Because hey, you're still going to be pushing for six reps. So what if it's twenty pounds light? You're still okay. working hard. So you're doing this not just for uh, maybe a middle-aged guy who needs to be careful with his joints, but you do this with a young guy too, pretty much, huh? 
Oh, absolutely, absolutely, because, I mean, all this stuff, the way we feel when we're in our 40s is because of what we do in our 30s and 20s, right? Yeah, mileage, <laughs> and when I was right? In, it, it, mileage, it's not the age, it's the mileage, that's what I tell people, so. I love it, yeah. And I've been doing this, I, I've been doing this a long time, and I remember when I was in my 20s, all these guys were hurt all the time, and I used to tell them, it's just your form, you guys just don't know how to train, and I was an idiot. I, that was not it. When you get older, your body is just more delicate. It just is. If you've been training for a long time and pushing yourself hard, you will accumulate little pulls and strains and injuries. It's just part of getting a little yeah. bit older. So you Scar tissue, yeah. Scar tissue. So, hey, so why not be smarter when you're a little bit younger? You can still push really heavy weights, um, you know. And usually, you know what? Usually, Lonnie, what I find with people after a while, even when they switch to order of exercises, they still get back up to what they were doing anyway. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it's, it's pretty cool to see that. I, I see that with guys all the time. You know, six weeks in the program, they're like, "Wow, now I can do what I was doing, but now I'm doing this exercise third and not first. They're getting stronger." So. Yeah, I know. A couple of weeks ago, I, I, Rob, I think it was you. You were talking about purposely breaking out of your sort of uh, entrenched habits. And like workout order and that kind of stuff. And that's kind of what John is saying here, I think. It could be something to freshen up people's workouts. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So what about food then? Uh, where do you start? Like what kind of, where do you start? What are the progressions? Are, I, I'm guessing that you're like most bodybuilders and you'll, you know, really kind of focus on carbohydrates, you know, as far as what you're going to reduce, but, you know, how do you do that? Do you start off mild and then progress down, you know, with more and more restriction, or do you like to drop all at once to a, you know, like a hundred gram a day carb diet, or, or how do you go about that, John? Well, um, so, so the the first thing I wanted to mention was my five guys burgers and fries comment. You might think I eat like that a lot, but I really don't. <laughs> Actually, if you've read my work, you know that I'm a big proponent of eating, um, when you eat animal fat or dairy fat, you know, you eat organic sources, you know, chemicals get trapped in animals' fat cells. We eat it, guess what? It gets trapped in our fat cells. Um, I'm also a big proponent of keeping your liver clean. You know, your liver is a major fat-burning organ. Most of us have pretty clogged up livers just from all the chemicals and food and, you know, all the stuff we're exposed to. So, um, so I just wanted to mention that, uh, First of all, so, you know, you hear guys talk about, you know, grass-fed beef and raw dairy. Oh, I'm one of those guys, so to, you might think I'm a little nuts, but actually I'm one of those guys. Oh, I, I think, I, yeah, you're preaching to the choir, man. Grass-fed beef, I'm from Ohio too, right? And whether it's Ohio or up here in Minnesota, it's, I'm, I'm actually digging, especially up here, this grass-fed beef stuff everywhere. Hooray, right? Because that's what cows are supposed to eat. Cows don't get up on their yes. hindquarters and nibble corn. Yeah. Right. I, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm with you guys. I'm one of those guys, man. I'm I'm big on that stuff. Um so, you know, typically what I do with people is I I don't really drop their fat too much because of the hormonal impact. You know, I like for guys to have some fat in their diet. I like for them to keep a little bit of uh, nuts in their diet. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the nut, you know, like a raw almond, raw nuts, you know, raw, so you still get the lipase and fat digesting enzymes. I feel like those kinds of things can help with testosterone. I also like to put in kind of some anti-estrogenic food, you know, which I typically use cruciferous vegetables, so, you know, Brussels sprouts and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I kind of look at it hormonally, too. How about um, flax, so John? Guess, what about I'm flax? I'm not a big believer in flax. I mean, mm-hmm. if you want flax, maybe just for the lignans, yeah. okay, that's cool. But if you think it's going to all convert to DHA, uh, that's not going to happen for most people. Well, what about the I've anti-estrogen, though? I'm thinking more along the anti-estrogenic well, that's, that's You know, that's funny. Um, if you're a PubMed warrior, then you, you know, you, you've no doubt noticed that there's people that say it's estrogen-promoting, and then there's also a school of people that say it's uh, you know, it, it actually works against estrogen. I've right. seen it both ways. I've yeah, seen it soy, both ways. Soy, the soy problem is the same thing. People get very confused, and that's a whole other ball of wax as to, you know, yeah, who's in who is it estrogenic versus anti-estrogenic. Exactly. Isoflavins, yeah. and, yeah, are they promoting estrogen? Are they really hard? You know, exactly, yeah. So, so you're, you're dodging so. the flax pretty much. 
Yeah, I just don't really see a, a purpose for it. I mean, there's better ways to fight estrogen, and there's certainly better ways to get DHA from your diet, omega-3s and omega-6s. Well, you bet. Yeah. And so forth. So. Okay, so sorry for the tangent. So you were saying cruciferous veg are, are big. Yeah, yeah, I like them. Brussels sprouts, uh, broccoli, um, and so forth. Um, you know, I typically keep, um, like I said, I typically keep fat. Hold on for one second, Molly. I'm sorry. Do you need this room? Okay. What time is it now? Okay. Um, so cruciferous vegetables. Um, yeah, that's one way. So anyways, going back to fat, uh, it, you know, if I look percentage-wise at, at macronutrients, it's generally, I want to say 30 to 35% on most people when I start their diet, and it might end maybe at, 30, 28 to 30 percent. So it doesn't really change a whole, a whole lot, Bonnie. And, you know, my, it's funny, my focus, I don't think too many people out there like this. I focus more on micronutrition than I do macronutrition. Mm-hmm. You know, I want lots of vitamins and minerals and all this good stuff for my food. I don't want to eat the same stuff every day. Um, I don't want people developing allergies because they eat chicken and rice every day. That's all they live on. Um, uh, in terms of uh, carbs, which kind of gets back to your original question, uh, I usually, you know, I like to work them down slow. Uh, I think it's kind of crazy to take someone, let's say they're eating 400 grams of carbs a day and take them down to 100. I think that's a little crazy. Um, I have this philosophy in getting, I call it get the most out of the least. So in other words, you know, why start a diet? Let's say you're 12 weeks out. Why, why lower your carbs, throw cardio in, throw fat burners in, why do all that, and then four weeks later, you have nothing else you can do. I would rather have somebody, you know, okay, let's take 50 grams of carbs out of your diet this this week. Then the next week, okay, let's add, you know, 20 minutes of cardio. I like to gradually bring those things into the process so that you can kind of get the most out of every step in right. that process. You know, John, I think importantly there, that's not just metabolic momentum, it's psychological momentum. You know, people start off with something they can do, they get a little bit of success, you know, for a week or two, and then they're ready to tackle that higher level, you know, or that progression. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, I, I absolutely. So bring that, you know, I like to work in 200 calorie increments. So, you know, I might bring somebody down 50 grams of carbs. Again, I usually keep their fat the same. I keep their protein pretty much the same. You know, I have a lot of people eat, you know, grass-fed beef, and I'm a big believer in eggs that you actually get from the farm, you know, the ones that have a real orange yolk oh, with, yeah. the real, with the real firm eggshell. And, uh, you know, some good protein powder and, and things like that. So real quick, so, yeah, since we're going to run out of time here, just quickly, like, so how many grams of protein a day? What's a, what's, you know, or total calories? You know, like you start where and you would end where? You know, that kind of stuff. I'd say, I would say a good place to start on is, you know, I kind of like 1.25 grams per pound. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good, good start. And I think the quality of the protein, I don't think people have to eat as much protein as they think if their sources are better. So, in other words, you could probably do better off 150 grams of protein from grass-fed beef than 150 grams from soy soy protein, right? Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I just think that's true. You know, there's probably, you probably make a strong argument against that, but I just think if you get the right kind of food, um, you don't need quite as much protein. So, okay, and then um, total, what about of, total calories? Um, calories, you know, that's... Well, do they take care of themselves? Well, I don't really worry about calories, honestly. What, mm-hmm. what I do is I, I'll think more of, you know what, let's start this guy at 0.5 grams of fat per pound. So if he weighs 200 pounds, he's going to get 100 grams of fat. He's going to mm-hmm. get, you know, 1.25 times 200 um, of protein, and then he's been eating, say, 300 grams of carbs, so I'm going to start him at 250. Um, if he was eating 400 grams, I might start him at 350. So there's a little play there in the total, uh, there's a little play there in the total calories based on what that person was doing before. I hate to, hate to use a formula for carbs because people are so different. There might be a guy that says, well, John, I was only eating 50 grams of carbs a day, so I'm not going to take him out. 
right? So we'll, we'll have to play around. That situation's a little different. But, you know, people usually 2,700, 3,000, 3,200. That's probably where the large majority of the people start, you know. And um, we come down slowly. But, again, it's you come down slowly, but you have those meals in there, you know, once a week, twice a week, um, where you really spike your calories. So going back to what you were saying with the, you know, the energy deficit, even though they are coming down, coming down, coming down, coming down, we still have those meals to, to provide extra calories and keep everything burning. And I think when you do that, uh, you know, again, that's probably the biggest thing you can do to save muscle and keep your metabolism and everything fresh hormonally yeah. and so forth. Yeah. So are, are you taking them down from maybe 3,200? Would you say do you go down to about 2,000 calories a day? I mean, I know you're you're basically pulling out the carbs and doing it that way, but so what's, what would someone bottom out? you know, wise as far as their calorie intake? Mm, for a guy, a medium-sized guy, probably 2,200, 2,300. Okay, yeah. You know, at that point, they're kind of suffering a little bit. Right, but, yeah. You know, but, and that's okay. Like I said, it's okay to suffer a little bit and get flat for a little bit, but you can't stay like that. That's bad news. If you get like that for a day or two, you know, that's okay. Okay. That's okay, that happens. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so... No, yeah, good stuff. Okay, well, I think we're just about out of time, so I wanted to just thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you, thank you. It's a it's a, it's a privilege. I appreciate you guys thinking I have something noteworthy to say. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Oh, yeah, no, that's uh, always good. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're an experienced guy, and people love to get, uh, you know, they love to hear uh, experienced competitors or people that are in the know and knowledgeable. You know as prescriptive as possible, you know, and I know we can't do that with individuals, but as much info as we could pass along as possible is how experienced guys like you, especially at the very high level of competition that you participate, you know, how do you go about it? I just think that's, that's cool stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many guys in the gym, you know, young guys who, you know, are thinking about going to a competition, a bodybuilding type of competition and they, they don't even know where to start, you know. So at, l- at least it gives them a, you know, kind of a something to chew on for a bit to kind of get get the wheels rolling. So right on, yeah. 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 And it's yeah, easy I, to have. I love to, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say I love to talk. So well, it's it's <laughs> yeah. easy to. I was just gonna say it's easy to talk to you because I tend to agree with everything you're yeah. saying. So that <laughs> well, that's good, easy. man. <laughs> that's that's good. I have a lot of respect for you guys. I appreciate that. I think I sent you a note and said there is a there's this guy here where I work at the bank that brought a magazine over and he said, look at what this guy's saying. That looks a lot about what you're looks like the stuff you tell me. And I oh. looked up and it was you were the author, Bonnie. So I was oh, like, yeah. oh well. When you're right, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Absolutely. All right. Well, until next week, everybody. Have a good one. Thanks, everyone. Later. All right. Thank you. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. Hey, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry, and I'm just bringing you a sneak peek only for Iron Radio listeners at this point. If you Google CRC Press, Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y, and Protein, you can be some of the first people on the planet to see this book. It's specifically for strength athletes Everything on the safety of high-protein diets, the efficacy, the dosing, the types, practical applications and case studies. This is a textbook. It's not what I would call an industry book. This is not pseudoscience. This is the state-of-the-art science. And if someone wants to critique you on your extra protein intake, this will be something you can hold up and say, this is what the literature says about stressed kidneys or bone loss or gout or dehydration or increased muscle mass over time or leanness or what types are best this is the ultimate source in one place little disclosure here i do make a single digit percentage of royalties on this book 
It's such a low amount, however. Obviously, I haven't done it for that purpose. I did it because, like you, I want to have something I can hold up in one place that's modern literature instead of what a, perhaps a health educator might tell you about the benefits and the potential concerns, if there are any, on ample protein diets specific to a population like ours. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Phil Stevens here for IronRadio.org, StrengthGuild.com, and ChadAgs.com to tell you about the Strength Refined Seminar with myself, Phil Stevens, and Chad Aches. Saturday, September 24, 2011, CrossFit Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada. Strength Refined is a one-day course in refining your technique and proficiency in the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. It's going to be a long day. We'll squat, we'll bench, we'll deadlift, we'll do a Q&A, and then we're going to go heavy and go eat. For more information, go to www.strengthguild.com, click on the blog, go to Meets and Seminars, click on the Strength Refined Seminar, and it's all there. Hope to see you there. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need. 